Welcome to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. In this program, we explore the fullness of the Christian faith and the Catholic Church. Every week, we just have a conversation. A different guest comes onto the program talking about the way they're living out their Catholic faith. Sometimes we have musicians and artists, writers, bloggers, people who've started different apostolates. I meet so many people out there who are living their Catholic faith in a dynamic and vibrant way. It's exciting to meet so many men and women who really are on fire for God and ready to share their Catholic faith in so many different ways. Today, my guest is Thomas Sullivan. Thomas works with Jonathan Benkovic at the Women of Grace Ministry. He also has his own ministry, which encourages men to get involved in spiritual warfare and living the dynamic Catholic life. Thomas, welcome to More Christianity. Thank you, Father. It's good to be here with you. Now, tell me a little bit about yourself. Where are you actually based geographically? I met you a few uh, week or so ago at EWTN down in Alabama, and we got to know each other a bit. But where are you actually based? Yeah, well, I'm based just outside of Tampa, Florida, down mm-hmm. here in a little town called Hudson. It's about 30 miles north of Clearwater, 35 miles north uh, of Tampa, right on the Gulf Coast. And when we do the shows, as you know, we fly up there to uh, EWTN and we do our production that we we head on back down here to Florida. So John and I live about 25 miles apart from each other, but hasn't stopped us from collaborating over the last uh, 15 years and getting the job done. And you're working with the technical side of Johnette's ministry, is that correct? That is correct. I'm the director of operations for Women of Grace and Living a Life Abundantly, as well as all of the technical support. And then I'm also the producer for the television show and senior radio engineer. Senior radio engineer, television producer, a man of <laughs> many men of many talents. You know how it is, though, in ministry, Father. You've got to have many hats on because there's uh, there's just so much to do. And I'm a, a retired military, and so I was very adept to uh, wearing different hats quickly. And if something new needed to be learned, I quickly learned it and put it into practice. And so that has served me very well in ministry work over the last 25 years. You know, it's the same thing in the priesthood. There's so many different things to do every day. Life is never boring, and mm-hmm. uh, it's never routine and dull. You don't, never know what challenge is going to come around <laughs> the corner true. next. And, you know, that's what we're here to talk about. You have also, in addition to working with Jonathan Benkovic, started a very interesting ministry, producing some fantastic rosaries, which we'll talk about later, and a book called The Knighthood, which we yeah. want to discuss. But all of this ministry that you've developed is really uh, focused on the aspect of spiritual warfare. Interesting that you're a former military man, and this has obviously motivated you and given you a particular insight and a particular angle on your Catholic faith. Can you tell us how that came about? Were you always on an on-fire Catholic, or did you find a renewal in your faith, or are you a convert? I was raised Catholic. I was of the family where my dad would uh, stay home, although he was Catholic, but my mom would take us to church. So through the years I was growing up, you know, the faith became kind of feminine for me. At the age of 17, I joined the Navy, went around the world a few times, uh, came back, was assigned as a company commander, which is in today's terms, that would be a drill instructor or a training instructor now, they call them. Training recruits, I did that for five years, and then I went on to um, go into the Coast Guard. But just prior to switching from the Navy to the Coast Guard, I was at my 10-year mark. I was not practicing my faith from the age of 17. I kind of left that behind when I left the nest, if you will. But at the age of 30, I had an awakening that had to do with the rosary. And I'd realized that at some point, this religion that I always thought was for women and men that couldn't stand on their own two feet because I was this macho military guy, company commander, training recruits for battle and everything, and wasn't really my uh, forte. I, I began to see that the faith that I had been 
introduced to as a child really had so much more to offer. And uh, I began to look closer at my faith. I began to pray a rosary, having no idea what a mystery was, just knowing that I did know my Our Fathers and Hail Marys, and that was good enough for now, and began to just start reading, searching, praying. And then that led me eventually to be more involved in ministry work. At After 12 years in the military, I suffered a, uh, an injury, which uh, retired me. They disabled and retired me in 1992. And that launched me really into wanting just a desire to, to work in the faith full time, which I had the opportunity to do that initially with St. Joseph's Communications, working hand in hand with Dr. Scott Hahn for um, almost 10 years. And then coming back here to Florida, began working with John Ed in, in 2001. But I was raised a Catholic as a child, left for about 13 years. I came back with a whole lot of military background and experience. And so I began quickly seeing how my military training was now transitioning me into going from one military to another, going from the United States military to God's military here in the in the church militant. You know? That's something I'd like to mention. I picked up sure. from what you've said there that you were you call it a training instructor. I thought you were called drill sergeants, but <laughs> they are. It depends on it depends really on time. We were called uh, company commanders and drill sergeants. My son-in-law now is Special Forces Air Force out in Washington State, and I was out there during that training. And all of their company commanders are all their, their drill instructors are all called training instructors now. So they've kind of softened it from a drill instructor to a training instructor. Because I, I had I had a blog post a few a few weeks ago that got a lot of comment and a lot of traffic, which was "Give me a drill instructor." And I had a picture yes. of uh, the typical drill instructor in your face, you know, yelling at a, a young recruit. And the point of my blog post was if we send one of our young men or women off to, off to the military, we expect that they're going to have a tough time. You know, the training instructors, you call them, the drill, the drill right. sergeant is going drill to be instructor. in your face. He's going to make them be yeah. obedient, going to make them do stuff they don't like, get up early, get physically mm-hmm. fit and get trim to be a trained and efficient fighter. And I went on to say, we actually expect this from every other discipline in life. You want to go in sports, right. you want to be a musician, an artist, you want to make a million dollars, whatever it is. You take it for granted that you're going to have a drill sergeant, an instructor. You're going to have to sacrifice things to get there. You're going to have to buckle down, get trim, get fit to be the best soldier you can because your life depends on it. And yet in the spiritual life, it's like we expect it's all going to happen. It's like instant sainthood. We expect it's all going to happen immediately. And should Father talk about sin in the pulpit, we go away with our tail between our legs saying, ooh, he made me feel guilty. There's this kind of wimpishness about the Catholic faith very often in the Christian faith where it's all soft and gooey and sweet and nice. I call it marshmallow religion. So I was saying in my blog post, give me a drill instructor. I don't mind. I need somebody to knock me into shape. And so I'm excited to hear that you've got this angle on spiritual warfare with the rosary and uh, called the knighthood. I want to explore with you a little bit further the whole subject of spiritual warfare. But first, I'd like to remind our listeners that you're listening to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. My guest today is Thomas Sullivan. He works as a program director and tech guy for Johnette Benkovit with her EWTN program, Women of Grace. He also has a book out called The Knighthood. He's a former military man. I encourage you to check out his website called thenighthood.com to learn more about him. Thomas, this topic of spiritual warfare, 
I think sometimes there's a kind of a sensationalism about this. Maybe you've seen people have seen the film The Exorcist or The Exorcism of Emily Rose. They've read stupendous and sensational articles about great spiritual warriors who wade in and fight the devil like Padre Pio and, and uh, St. Sure. John Vianney and other people like this. And they think spiritual warfare is all that sort of sensationalist, you know, Rambo of the Holy Spirit kind of thing. We're going to go in and slay them all, you know. (laughs) But this isn't really what we're talking about. I mean, we're not talking about this kind of sensationalism. Tell me a little bit more about what your vision of spiritual warfare actually is. Yeah, those are uh, really Hollywood, although it's not that it isn't true in many cases or in some cases, but the ordinary spiritual warfare that we face is on a day-to-day basis in our ordinary lives. But let me put some context first, if I could. One of the things that I like to do is is put up a framework. I, I believe firmly that when you go into combat, the first thing you need to know is the theater of operations. Where are we going to be? What's the terrain look like? What are the borders? What are the boundaries? And who is the enemy? And so for me, seeing myself involved in spiritual warfare, that came very easy. One, because I was a former military guy, but also because I began to see the structure of the kingdom here on earth in the Catholic Church. I began to realize Christ was king. He was crucified for claiming to be a king. I realized his mother was queen mother. And I saw this kingdom unfolding. I realized that by giving Peter the keys to the kingdom, he was creating an office of a prime minister, which our Pope holds today. When Jesus was choosing the 12 apostles, that was reflecting of Solomon having 12 cabinet members, and he was establishing his cabinet, because in the absence of the king, the prime minister is in charge in union with his cabinet. And that's what Jesus was doing with Peter and the apostles. The successor of the apostles are the bishops, and the successor of Peter is the Pope. So with Christ as our king and Mary as our queen and our pope as our prime minister and our bishops as our cabinet members, our priests as our commissioned officers to lead the faithful in battle, and I as a baptized, confirmed Catholic am a knight on the battlefield in the church militant, as the church teaches us. And that framework gave me the horizon. It gave me the theater of operation. And the church teaches that the Christian life on earth is a warfare And the Catechism talks about how man from the very beginning of time has found himself caught in dour combat. Archbishop Fulton Sheen used to refer to the Sacrament of Confirmation as the Sacrament of Combat. And so I began to see that this was very relevant to me, not only as a former military guy, but now as a child of God, as a Christian on the battlefield of life, I had a role to play as a soldier of Christ, a soldier on the battlefield, and I wasn't alone. I realized that there is a structure, just like there's a structure in the United States military of a chain of command, equally there is this chain of command in the church, this structure. And I wasn't alone in this battle. There were these sacraments, you know, where baptism, the Council of Trent tells us that through baptism, I was enlisted under the standard of Christ to do battle. Through the sacrament of confirmation, I am strengthened. The gifts that were given to me of the Holy Spirit and baptism are strengthened for combat how the Eucharist is nourishment on the battlefield, no disrespect intended, but I I see that as MREs, meals ready to eat, you know, throughout life as the Eucharist Mm -hmm. to continue to strengthen me on the battlefield of life. I saw how the sacrament of penance became the medic on the battlefield, that when I'm mortally wounded, I can go to the sacrament, bring the medic on the battlefield and restore my soul to, to health and to life. If I'm venally wounded in a flesh wound, the sacrament of penance is there. Again, the medic on the battlefield the sacrament of holy orders, the the commissioning of officers to lead the faithful in battle. So I saw all of this in the structure of military, and so it gave me an understanding 
probably somewhat unique, maybe, maybe not so much, but I, I try to convey this to everybody that I speak with, and I wrote this in the book called Tonighthood. But spiritual warfare is framed in this. I have six children. I have 11 grandchildren. You know, I'm happily married. When I get up in the morning, my battle begins. The church teaches us that prayer is a battle. So my very first battle is not necessarily, you know, engaging in an exorcism. or It's just simply getting myself into prayer to pray the rosary. So the spiritual battle is really a day-by-day, very ordinary thing. And in fact, I guess if you were a soldier, you would say the vast majority of time as a soldier is also spent in routine duties, in routine trainings, being ready to fight. But the actual moments of fighting and combat are very rare. Now, I want to pick you up on something here because, of course, the lives of the saints and the scriptures themselves echo with this analogy of uh, the spiritual battle, echo with the call to arms, echo with the need to be a a warrior. St. Paul talks about putting on the full armor of Christ. We have even little St. Therese, the little flower, you know, this kind of (laughs) most girly of all saints, and yet there she is wearing armor and saying, sanctity, it must be one at the point of a sword, and calling us to wade into battle. St. Benedict talks about training his monks for, for war. But, you know, this idea of the militant religious person Hasn't it got a bad name because of the militant Muslims, the jihadists? And what about those who are worried that your sort of talk of bearing yeah. a sword and, and uh, wading into battle and the military analogy sure. is a little bit too much like the jihad? And are you calling for a crusade? How, how do you answer yeah. people who, who give you those criticisms? Yeah, what I would say is that our call is a call to, to battle, but it's a battle through love. And that's where we're unique because our enemy who seeks to destroy us wants us in anger, wants us in sin, wants us committing sin. But the way we conquer that is through love. And our battle is to really be careful of our emotions, to be reaching out to others in that love, and always be on guard. And this is the other thing about being in the military. where You were mentioning about having these day-to-day humdrum activities. We've got to clean our barracks. We've got to make our bed. Yes, but you know what? During all of that time, we are always on guard. Why? Because mm-hmm. an incoming could come at any moment. When we're talking about this spiritual combat, it's very different than physical combat, as St. As Paul says. St. Paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the principalities and the powers and the rulers of this world. The battle really is in us to bring that love to the world, to be a light to the world. And every time you ask yourself, well, should I do this? You know, there's an old lady there that maybe needs some help with her groceries, and you're sitting there going, do I really want to help her? Am I going to look stupid? There's your battle right there. You're in the battle now. Are you going to do something good in the name of our King, Jesus Christ? Are you going to help or are you going to pull back because you're afraid of what somebody's going to think of you? I'm glad to hear you say that we are called to battle in love and not in anger, certainly not in kind of rage and violence that you see in the jihad or that I'm afraid to say sometimes we've seen in the history of Christianity too, where people resorted to bloodshed to try to win the battle. The other thing is, I'm a great fan of G.K. Chesterton, and one of the great marks of his writing, his thought, his personality, is that he always fought the good fight with his writings, with his wit, with his personality. But everybody who who knows his work and those who knew him as, as a man said that he did so with his great confidence, but also with his great wit and cheerfulness, that he had a kind of supernatural cheerfulness that although he could talk about ideas and fight the good fight about ideas and in writing, he always did so in a good-natured way and in a cheerful way so that his enemies actually loved him for it. 
And yeah. that's also, I think, a great example for us as we wade into battle that we're called to sure. be cheerful warriors. Yeah, I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. This is More Christianity. My conversation today is with Thomas Sullivan, who has written a book called Call to Knighthood. He's got some fantastic rosaries to remind us that uh, the rosary is a great weapon. I would also call listeners to have a look at my book, The Romance of Religion, which can be found on my website, dwightlongenecker.com. The Romance of Religion is a book you would like, Thomas. It's all about the adventure of faith, setting out Mm -hmm. as a great warrior, setting out as a bit of a fool for God, like maybe Don Quixote or someone like that, and going on the great Mm -hmm. quest to win the great battle. I'll have to send you a copy. I think you'd enjoy it. Now, uh, Thomas, you have also developed, along with your book, and I was amazed when you showed me a sample of this, something called the Warrior's Rosary. Can you tell us how that came about and a little bit about it? Sure. Again, speaking from my perspective as a man, when I enter into battle, as this, the prayer is a battle, I'm very visual, as most of us men are. We're, we're visual creatures. And so I need to see, I need to touch, I need to feel. And when I would be praying my rosary in the morning, I would, you know, have my eyes closed, envisioning the battle, you know, going into battle in prayer. And when I would do that, and then I would open my eyes and I'd look at my rosary, and I, I have a very nice rosary, but it was a very nice crucifix, and it was a very nice Our Father bead of maybe a basilica or something, and a very nice standard Catholic image and my centerpiece. And I would kind of come back out of the battle for me as a man. I wasn't getting it. So I thought, you know, I sure would like to have a crucifix of a sword and Christ united by taking St. Paul's words that, the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit, which is Ephesians 6, where the Word becomes flesh, which is Christ himself, and where he conquers and achieves the victory on the cross. And I wanted to unite that imagery, that imagery of the victory of the cross, the sword of the Spirit, and the Word of God all united. And so I designed this exactly that. I designed the crucifix that had all those elements on it. I always go back and forth. I compare my training in the military to spiritual warfare, whether it's in tactics and whether I analyze tactics that are being used on the spiritual sense against me or my family or whatever to try to tempt me, I go back and forth. And so I looked at this and I thought, you know what, when I used to work with the SEAL team, there was never a individual, there was never one soldier SEAL sent off. It was always in a small team. You always had a group. And I thought, you know, these Our Father medals, we need a SEAL team. We need a spiritual special forces team that when I pray, I know they're there with me, and I know every time. And so I decided that I wanted warrior saints to go into battle with me when I pray the rosary. So each of the Our Father medals has what you call a warrior saint, someone yeah. who's your colleague, your brother-in-arms. Did you say that the crucifix actually has on the back, has a sword? It does. On okay. the on the back of the crucifix, it has a sword, and on the front, it has the sword, but it also has the corpus as well of Jesus on there. Tell us about the partners in battle that you have oh, medals Oh, the partners for. in battle. Yeah, mm-hmm. the, yeah, the spiritual warfare partners in battle. I wanted to cover throughout the 2,000 years of Christian history, I wanted to represent them. And so I began with, of course, St. Joseph under his title, Terror of Demons. Now, St. Joseph is known as the protector of the families. He's a patron of the church. He's a patron of fathers. And for me, he was my ideal choice to lead us off. So my first hour father medal would be St. Joseph under the title, Terror of Demons, which the oratory in Montreal was so gracious to give me the rights to the image that I needed to use. And then I thought for the next Power Father medal was the very first mystery, regardless of which set of mysteries you're doing, it's the first mystery. And I thought we should start off in battle with the 
invincible warrior who led the first war, St. Michael. And so I had him cast on the first Our Father mystery bead. And then from there, we moved on to the third century saint, St. George, known as the Great Martyr. And he was martyred because he would not deny his faith under Diocletian. He was a soldier, and he stood up for his faith and gave his life for it. Great example, great uh, man to follow into battle. So from there, we moved on then to St. Louis IX. He was king of France. He was killed in the Fourth Crusade, also gave his life, refusing to deny his faith. Interestingly about him, too, is he's known for his discourse to his son. And there's a long discourse of Louis IX to his son about what it means to be a good Catholic man and a leader. And it was really amazing. So I thought, you know, this is great for me as a dad, as a father with five sons. Louis IX really stood out as a soldier partner for me. And then I went on to Ignatius of Loyola. He was a knight and he was a soldier. And then he had a conversion, as you know, and he became the founder of the Jesuits. And his title is Father General. And the Jesuits were very nice to also give me the, the rights to the image, to have him cast on this uh, medal as well. And then as we come around the, the fifth and final mystery, we end up with uh, a young boy named Jose Luis Sanchez del Rio. And uh, many people came to know him from the movie For Greater Glory. He was a Cristero, 14 years old, and he fought when um, Catholicism was outlawed down in Mexico. And he's an example for our young boys today. My 15-year-old son was confirmed, Joshua, and he took his name, Jose, as an example of a saint to follow. And, and what Jose did was they wanted him to deny his faith. The call was Viva Cristo Rey, and they wanted him to say, no, down with Christ the King, down with Christ again. He refused, and they ended up torturing him and eventually killed him. And at the young age of 14, I thought, what an example for our young people today. I'm talking to Thomas Sullivan today. He's the author of Called to Knighthood. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. You're listening to More Christianity. Called to Knighthood is a military understanding of fighting the good fight, wading into the battle with your rosary as your weapon to battle the forces of darkness. Thomas, you talked about these companions in battle, these brothers in arms that uh, have the Our Father medals on your special rosary. You were telling me when we were meeting about this that you've actually got it made by one of the top rosary makers in Italy, uh, that it's really high quality and it's yeah. solid. It's not one of these dinky plastic rosaries that's going to break when you actually try to use it or carry it around. Right. So um, tell us a little bit about that. That was fascinating. Yeah. When I put the design together, I had it all on paper and I had it all made in, in the different images and stuff. I had a friend of mine who put me in contact with a representative for Gorelli's out of Italy. And he said, you know, I think Gorelli's would be interested in this. So they put me in touch with them, and I gave them my designs. And Gorelli's insisted they had to do this project with me. They said, there is nothing like this in the world. They are the premier rosary makers for the Vatican, for actually for the, the papal rosaries. They make all the rosaries for the popes. And they were showing me when we were going back and forth, they were so, showing me some of the examples from their, their rosary with Pope Francis and then, you know, before him, Pope Benedict and before him, Pope John Paul II, now St. John Paul II. And so they really wanted to partner with me and I really wanted to partner with them. They said, we've never done a, this huge of a custom job, but we have to do this because this is really unique. We've never seen this concept come to life like this. 
So we did. We've been venturing together for a year now in, in fabricating one piece at a time, looking at it, changing it, adjusting it, going back and forth across the Atlantic until we finally brought it all together. We had one hang up, which was the centerpiece. And I really wanted on the back of this to somehow image the idea of baptism and confirmation that we're being brought into the kingdom on the battlefield and we're strengthened for battle. And they came up with a beautiful image of Our Lady at the top with our baby Jesus on her lap with rays of grace coming down the back of the centerpiece. And there is a, a queen representing Holy Mother Church and a knight on his knees representing those of us being baptized and confirmed into the church. So this rosary that you've produced is really complicated and made from wonderfully strong materials by one of yes. the top rosary, the Pope's rosary maker in Italy. Yes. And are these yes. rosaries available for purchase, or are they soon going to be available? They are available now. They're available at the website. And because they are so unique, they're coming in in groups or in batches, if you will. So they're, they're going to be filled in the order in which people place their orders. So I've got a few hundred of them of each one coming in. I have a few hundred more coming in, so they're they're staggered out because it is such an intense project. And our listeners can find yeah. them on your website. How do they go there? They can go to calltonighthood.com. The rosaries are available there. You'll also find them at womenofgrace.com. So either of the two websites you're free to go to, you'll find them in both places. Under your website, they need to go to books and media. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. When they first get to calltonighthood.com, they'll see the rosaries right there. They could just click them, and it takes them right to where they need to go. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. This is More Christianity. Today, my guest is Thomas Sullivan. He is the author of Called to Knighthood and the creator of a very unique and very wonderful rosary for men, calling us to battle to use the rosary in a weapon day by day as we seek to draw closer to Christ and overcome the powers of darkness in the world. Thomas, we've run out of time here. What a fascinating story you've got and what a, a fantastic product you've got. I encourage our listeners to go to Cold to Knighthood to learn more about Thomas and his rosaries. I understand that they're pretty expensive, but they're already, you've got orders already lined up for them. A great gift item, a great confirmation gift, a gift for someone who's coming to the church to our CIA, or a good Father's Day present, a good Christmas present for Dad so that he can be encouraged in his spiritual life. I encourage you also to go to my website, DwightLongenecker.com, to browse my books, uh, join my weekly mailing list. Follow me on Twitter, Facebook. Of course, also read my blog, Standing on My Head. Thomas Sullivan, thank you so much for being with us today on More Christianity. Thank you very much, Father.